Amen. Let it be. Okay, let's reconnect to where we were, Acts 9. Now, well, I want to go back quickly, revisit the account of, of that moment where Saul is blinded. Again, not going to assume that everybody is here, was here last week, where we just sat with this, nor that everyone necessarily has a familiarity with this uh, biblical story and account in Acts 9. So I want to re reconnect. I'll scroll it through. The first eight verses, I'm just going to scroll through. You can follow along. Of course, if you have your Bible, your Bible, you can do that as well. But here we go. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priests. This was in Jerusalem. And he asked uh, him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's what they called the, the followers of Jesus at the early church's beginnings. They weren't called Christians yet. They were called followers of the way. Most likely because of what Jesus has said about being the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by me. As time went on, they would eventually be called Christians, followers of Christ, and that name would stick with them, and it has stuck now down through the centuries. But it says here, he, he was searching for people who were belonging to the way, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he, came, he was planning on going to Damascus, and we, we looked at a map last, last week when we talked about where Damascus is in relation to Jerusalem. Still totally, all these things are in the news. Damascus is in Syria, Jerusalem, Israel. Suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. He's on this road to Damascus, falling to the ground. He hears this voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He's blind. There's this in, intense light. We talked about this. He would later say it was brighter than the noonday sun, and he's in the Middle East. It's intense out there. And he says it was blinding light, and it was. He says, all I, I, I couldn't see anything. All I heard was a voice, and that voice said to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Instinctively. And he said, I am Jesus. And the words that, he, that crushed him, hit him, just took the breath out of him. That was the last thing he was expecting. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise up, get off the ground, enter the city. You'll be told what you're to do. The men who were traveling with him, his entourage, they, they stood speechless. They, they heard a voice, but the Bible says, but they didn't see anyone. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. We talked about this. Saul is, is led blind into the city. His blindness in part reflecting how spiritually blind he had been. And we note how the supremely confident, self-assured man is now utterly incapable of making his way on his own. He enters the city that he intended to purge dependent, broken, blind, being led by the hand of men he had been leading. 
I can't see. I can't see. His eyes open. I can't see. What's happened, Saul? I, I can't see. Take me, take me into, into the city. And, the, and, and where do you want us to take me to the, take me to the uh, house of the man uh, named Judas, Judas of Damascus on, 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 on the street called Straight. It's a straight street. The Via Recto. The, uh, it was colonnaded street, Romans. The Via Recta is the name of it, the Via Recta. And, and I, I try to imagine that first meeting because you remember Judas of, of Damascus, he's excited. He's, in, he's actually a little bit afraid, but it's such an honor, the idea that there is a, a, such a dignitary, a man of, of growing reputation and power representing Jerusalem's authority coming here and he's going to stay at our house. I imagined the entire household was prepared for the coming of Saul, the man on the rise. And then to have the door knock, and he's here, he's here, he's here, ready to welcome him in. And then at the door, you see, so, oh, he, he couldn't even get to the door himself. We brought you here. He can't see. His eyes are open. He's looking through. First off, initially, probably Judas goes, what's going on? Saul, you know, he's here. And then the next thing you know is he's saying, well, what happened? What? I, I, I imagine him looking at Saul and looking at the others who were maybe leading him in by his, what, what, hap what has happened? It's, it's hard to explain, but he, he can't see. Something happened, but he can't see. Oh, well, Saul, Saul, you are welcome here. You're welcome here. Well, can you show, can you show me my room? Just bring me, show me the room. Bring me to the room. That's all I want. I don't want to talk right now. Just bring me to the room. And I imagine him being brought into that room. And as I was thinking in my mind's eye, I see, I see him coming down there. And I just, the Bible reminds us that he's, when he gets into that room, he's, he doesn't want to, he's, can we bring you some food? No, I don't want any food. Anything to, I don't want to drink or, I don't want anything. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Just give me my space. I, and he's processing through everything. What? His world is crumbling around him. It says for three days, he does nothing. Three days in blindness. Three days in blindness, blinded by the one who was in the tomb for three days. And out of that tomb will come a new man. But he's there in his blindness. And he's processing What do I, he won't eat, he won't drink. I don't want to talk to anyone. He's praying, God, God of Israel. Jesus, Jesus. It's every, he can't, he's, this is the thing. He can't ever go back to who he was. There's nothing there and his world is gone. The paradigm he had, gone. He can't remember. He did not just not believe in Jesus. He did not just dislike people who were associated with him. He hated him enough to do violence. 
He saw Jesus as the ultimate lie, a threat, the people who followed him, a threat to the very fabric of his people's identity. He was committed to the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Messiah was yet to come. It was not this fraud, this Nazarene, this person that, that, that people were calling Messiah of our people. No, I and now he's having a deal with that. What about, what have I done? What does this mean? What, what, what Stephen. I think he's just sitting there in this place. Look what it says. It's, it says that he, he's, he, he rises in the city. He's, he's told what you're to do. He, he says that, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. And they take him in. And three days he's without sight, neither eating or drinking. But go to your hand out there. Because now it shifts. Verse 10. Walk, walk this with, with me. It says there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. So now all of a sudden it goes from Saul in the room, in the darkness, alone, processing through his life what has happened to another picture of a man somewhere else, a believer in Jesus, a man named Ananias. And he is a man of prayer, and he's praying, and he lives in Damascus. And he's a believer. And it says, the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. So he, so he has this vision. Maybe he's kind of half asleep. He has a vision. In this vision, in his vision, he hears a voice. Ananias. He also says instinctively, here I am, Lord, in his vision. And the Lord said to him, rise up. I need you to go to uh, the street called Straight. And, that, and that's because it cuts straight through the middle of the city. And I want you to go to the house of a man named Judas. And I want you to look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. He's there. He, he's in this very moment, he's praying. So Ananias is having a vision of Paul, uh, and he's being told that, that Saul is at that very moment praying. And, he, and then, this is incredible, if you think about what's going on here. As Ananias is having his vision, in the vision, he's told he is having a vision right now of a man named Ananias. That's me. Yes, you. Ananias coming to him. To pray over, to think about that. He has his vision, and he's having this dialogue in his kind of like dream with the Lord. And in the dialogue, he's told the man's praying right now. In fact, he's praying while he's praying. He's having a vision while you're having a vision. He's having a vision of you who he doesn't know, but he knows your name coming to him. He can see you out of his darkness. He sees a man, you approaching him to pray over him. It's intense. And he's, he says, he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him that he might regain his sight. He, he sees a man named Ananias coming to him. And I don't know how vivid detail it was. How, did, how does Saul know that? Like, is it, was there a voice that says his name is Ananias? I, I don't know. In the vision, does he hear somebody say, what is your name? It's Ananias. I don't know. It says that, but Ananias answered. But now, you would think... That's intense. But here's the thing. It's so human. Because in the middle of this vision, this dream, and you know what? It, it happens that from, it, you can, some of us remember some dreams very vividly. And every now and then, you'll remember a dream. You'll remember a conversation you have in a dream. Like, sometimes, you, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but there's been times those conversations in that dream have felt so real to me that when I got up, I was so thankful that they weren't real. <laughs> it's like, uh, Yes, yes. Ananias is having this vision. And in that vision, he, he pushes back on God. Think about this. I mean, it's really remarkable. 
He says, Lord, um, I've heard about this man. He is a dangerous man. Uh, he, he kills and arrests people. Um, and the implication is, I don't really think I want to go and do that. And we're told here, the Lord, I have heard many things about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Right? So he's reluctant. He's reluctant to respond. And in this regard, he's a lot like you and me. But the Lord said to him, go, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. He's a chosen instrument of mine. I want him, I've called him out to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I'm going to show him how, what? I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake, for the sake of my name. No, 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 no. Ananias, I have chosen this man to represent me. He will not only represent me to, to his people, he will represent me into the into the Gentile community. He will take my message. Not only that, he will go into places. He will go into, he will, he will speak with kings. He will also engage people of tremendous influence. And the far-reaching effects of what I'm going to do to this man. But I also need you to tell him he's going, he's going to suffer as well. He's going to suffer. Think about that. Four things, Jews, Gentiles, kings, and sufferings. All these things linked together. And so Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him. Think about, again, we read it. Lay, I tried to imagine it in my mind's eye. Ananias gets up. All right, I'm doing this. Makes his way into Damascus Central. Finds his way to the house of Judas of Damascus on the street called Straight. Gets into the house, knocks on the door and says, I'm here to talk to Saul. I'm here to pray with him. I've been called to do this. He gets there. He opens the door. And Saul, I imagine, is there saying, I'm expecting him as well. Let him in. Let him in. And, they open, and as he gets there, right, Saul waiting, waiting there in the dark with his thoughts but expecting something, and I imagine that door being opened. And Ananias says, Saul. And Saul says, Ananias, I'm, ex I'm expecting you. Uh, and then the moment says here, he went to him, and, he, and I, again, did, did Ananias, Saul, I, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to place my hands on you. I'm going to pray over you. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to ask God, I know, what you're, I know what you're going to do. I've seen it. All right. And it says here that he talk, starts to talk to him. And, he, and I, love the, I love the opening. Brother, brother, my brother, my brother, brother Saul, the Lord appeared to you. Yes, he did on the road. And he has sent me to pray for you 
that you might receive sight in his name. I bless you even now and be filled with his spirit and presence. And in that moment, it was intense because it's, 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 it, what we're told here is that, even, and I think even the touch, even the touch, the touch itself meant something. The identity, the willingness to, pr- to pray with him, to bless him was a significant thing. And it says that immediately in that moment, as soon as those hands and that prayer went forth, that, that there's something, the way the Bible describes it, something like scales, like just fell from his eyes. This is the Bible's way of saying his eyes cleared and he could see, he could see the first face he ever saw was a man he didn't know but had seen before, a man named Ananias. His hands coming off of his eyes. Ananias, my brother. So, my brother. It's beautiful, beautiful moment. You know, Years later, and then what we're told here, look what else it says, is that not only did he regain his eyes, but Saul got up, and, and they must have had a discussion, because he says, I need to be baptized. Is there water to baptize me? And he's baptized into the name of the Lord. He identifies himself with the one he hated and now believed. He, he is baptized. You know what? Years later, he would write to the church at Corinth. He would say to them in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, he would say this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... They are a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Now, what does this have for you and me? It says, after this, he took food and he was strengthened. First the spiritual, then the natural. We got that. But hear me out. Here's where I want to go. Here's where I think something, I want the Lord. Some of us need to hear this in the Lord as we work off of this. And especially if those of us who are taking notes and we're really engaging, we're trying to interact with this and listen for the Lord, listen to our life through the Lord's words. Listen, there are going to be times of transition and God-ordained reordering that are going to require stillness and reflection. You cannot do it on the fly. You're going to have to make space. And, and there are times when we need to make space to hear the Lord. I know that's something we talk a lot about, but maybe some of us are there right now and the path is unclear for us. We don't know what to do. And that we're not sure. For Saul, it was like it was like literal darkness. Like he he had three days of prayerful waiting, that forced transition of blindness. And he, okay, don't be afraid of waiting in a question. It's okay. Sometimes that's exactly where we're supposed to be. He was there for three days waiting with no clear path. Again, there may be seasons in our lives where we are waiting for clarity because we can't find it. The door isn't opening. The pathway out is not clear to us. What do I do next? I don't know. But it will come. The key is in these places when we're not sure, when we're in these transition spots, it's going to require patience. And maybe some of us right now, because sometimes we have to sit in the darkness a little bit. Yes. And consider our pathway. Some of us right now have monumental decisions to make. Like big things. We need the wisdom of God. We need to know the path that we are supposed to take. We need to know. But we're in this place. We're waiting. 
Some of us were saying, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, I want to do this. I, Paul might, Saul might have said, I believe in you now. Get me out of this. You must wait it through. There's a time, there's a time to process. It's a lot, listen, a lot of our growth, a lot of our depth, a lot of our uh, deepening with the Lord take place in these dark places. It's when we can't see, when we're blind, in a way. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see it. Uh, a lot of times it's, it's like it requires this patience. And, and like Elijah, the Older Testament, right? God's not in the fire. God's not in the earthquake. God's not in the wind. He's in the still, small voice. It's coming behind it. Because it's not until we're pulled away from the noise sometimes that we can actually hear. And it's not until we're blind that we can actually see. Such is the way of the kingdom. But even more than that, another thing to remember is that there are going to be times when we're going to need, this is very important, when we're going to need to submit to the prayer and the blessing of another. Don't run past this. Saul was prayed for by Ananias. Think about it. The Lord could have simply removed, look, what, wait, he could have simply said, you know what, in three days, your blindness will be gone. Or on that third day, Saul, you've been praying to me and now you believe, your eyes are open. But no. Why? I think there was a why. Why this way? Why not like just open my eyes and let me see? No, 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 no. It was very important. It was so important. I mean, think about it. It was important that he was prayed for by another. Because Saul was a man who had such pride. And he was a man who had such self-confidence. And, and he knew what he knew. I don't need anyone. I'm my own man. And yet God, I think God intentionally humbles him in this moment. No, 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 your healing will come at the hand of another. And you will know forever, you will know forever that as you humbly submit to prayer and the laying on of hands of a brother, it's like by virtue of that touch, that touch, you, you will know from the outset Listen to me. You will know from the outset that you are connected to others, that you are part of a living body, the body of Christ, and how powerful and beautiful that is. You think about that. That's what he was saying. Laying on the hands of another, that the healing virtue will come. Um, that that community is birthed out of the reality of the risen Savior is something you should never underestimate nor ever diminish, right? There are, there are going to be times when in this Christian life, certain healing, certain breakthrough, certain restoration, certain points of clarity will not be discovered on our own. They will come connected. It's why we talk about the value of small group and ministry engagement and not only being on the periphery of a church but choosing to make the journey to get connected. Why? Because oftentimes that's where the relationships occur that are built, that are trustworthy and safe. And we are able to have prayer and be prayed for. We are able to pray and pray, be prayed for. There's life that comes. I can't tell you how, many, how meaningful that has been to me in my own walk with the Lord. None of us are always strong. There are times where, where faith <clears throat> can be challenged by some of the intensity of life. 
our own personal struggles can become so real to us that it's hard to prevail. We might feel very tempted. Some of us might, might find ourselves being drawn back into addictive patterns that seek to define our life. The Bible says, woe to the one who when they fall, they fall, they're by themselves. Two better than one, threefold cord, not easily broken. In the multitude of counsel, there is safety. The one who isolates themselves, the scripture says, seeks their own judgment. That's the way of the foolish one. The way, and Paul was being reminded, Saul was being reminded at the very beginning of his life, you are part of a community of people. And your healing won't come because you're so smart and so strong and so knowledgeable. No, in my, that's your old way. But in this new way, you will always remember. Remember the day you got your sight and you will never forget it. It was from the hands of another. Now, in terms of overall impact, there's no, it's not even close. Saul's impact, when he, he's going to change the world. We're here because of him. I'm, the way God, it's the fact, that's the truth. He breaks into the Gentile world, changes the world forever. The greatest ambassador of Jesus Christ this world has ever known. No question. In terms of just impact and influence. Ananias, he, he's, he, he's, just a, he's a part of something. But I'm going to make the case that Ananias is critical. So, so the bottom line is this. I don't think, I'm going to just, before I even mention that, I don't think Saul ever forgot the day when the hands of another prayed over him, blessed him, and his eyes were opened. But more than that, he felt something. He felt the rush of the Spirit of God pulsate through his body. He was filled with his spirit. The power of the living Lord flowed through him. And in that moment, he knew. The last thing I'll say, and we'll put it up here, is this, that we're all going to need other people to interpret our experience. Because it was more than just his, him getting his eyes. It was also, it was, let's stay with, it was also Ananias telling him, this is what God wants you to do next. The Lord has called you. Ananias gave shape to his call. Ananias was able to speak into, like God uses Ananias to clarify for Saul what his next steps are to be, what his life is to be. He helps him clarify God's word for his life. And there are times where that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, if we look at it in the big picture, Saul, again, Saul's going to change the world, but, but Ananias is going to be used to set it into context. He's, he's able to, yes, lesser in terms of ultimate impact, but he is used to set it into context. And all of us at times are going to need people. Hear me out. This is what I'm saying. Why community partly is part of the breaking of the barrier and why it's so important. So we're going to need other peoples at critical times to help interpret our spiritual experience and decipher what God is doing to help clarify what Jesus is saying to us. That often that will not be the result of self-discovery. There are times where it happens that way. But there are other times where it comes out of community, out of being in a friendship, out of walking together, out of submitting to the blessing. I have, there are times where the most powerful moments of prayer in my life have come from people who, I'm the pastor. I pray for you. Just kidding. But you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I do pray for you. Actually, I do pray for you. I do. I do. But what I meant is, there were a couple of times in my life, maybe more than a few, where I knew the Lord was saying, you don't judge this moment, you just honor this moment and submit to it because your healing is in that. You know, I often talked about, and I, I can't go off too far on this, 
But in desperate places, in confusing places, I'm a prayer collector. I collect prayers all over the place. If someone will pray with me and they'll love the Lord, I'm open. I believe in the power of prayer and agreement. And I love to come out of a conversation and say, hey, do you think it's okay if we pray together? Oh, last thing, I'll leave it here. I got to leave it here. It means we need to be open to two things, guys. I'll just mention them real fast. We need to be, opening, be open to hearing his words through others, like Saul. And we need to be open to speaking his word to others, like Ananias. Both are needed. Hearing his word from others, Saul, Ananias will tell you what to do. He will help you. He will help you. I, I have been helped by mentors in my life. I've heard the word of the Lord. It, it's clarified things. I've been able to grow uh, people speaking words of life in the Lord's name. It's changed me, helped me, grew me, made me better, helped me clarify, understand, make a good call, not on my own, weighing it out, listening for the Lord through it. The way he mediates healing is usually through, often through the prayer of another. We come into agreement. Pray for one another, the scripture says, that you may be healed. That's why it comes out of relationship. How does relationship happen like that? It happens in community, chosen engagement. But to speak his word to others is also important. There might be times where God is asking us, you know, look at the two things right there. One requires, look, do you see it? One requires deep humility. And the other requires empathetic courage. One requires deep humility and one requires empathetic courage. Both of those things are needed. Ah, uh, people who set his, his words in place. How thankful I am. How thankful we should be for that. If, maybe there are people that God's wanting us to receive prayer from. And maybe the Lord is asking some of us, try this every now and then. Maybe this week you come out of a conversation with someone. Your heart is touched. They share something with you. Maybe at work. Maybe a family member. Maybe they're having a problem. Maybe they're kind of ashamed about it. Whatever. Maybe it's a struggle. We listen. We're good listeners. Afterwards, say, could I pray with you? He said, okay. I would love to welcome God's blessing over you on this. I'm just saying, be open. Ananias says, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Come on now. I know we have decorum. I know we have work culture. I got it. I know that it's like, well, I don't want to ruin that relationship. I got all that. Every now and then, the Lord's going to say, are you willing to represent my heart and put yourself at risk and be open to praying a blessing over someone? I try, I've been trying even harder in this time in my life to pray. Even a small prayer of blessing out of a conversation with someone I care for. I'm going to try to pray that blessing in the Lord's name. Because out of that prayer comes mercy and healing and the flow of life in Jesus' name. And we never know when something extraordinary happens. I can see. All right? Be open to healing and be open to being a wounded healer in Jesus' name. Such is the kingdom. Okay, Lord, we ask you to bless as we close our time together to be open to being all that you have for us to be. And I just pray for your, you, you to just be with us. You know, I know we have our, our time of giving to honor you there. So many are faithful in this regard. I get that. 
But I, I ask also that we would not rush past this last song, that as we share this song, that the, we would hear the words, that we would engage the words, like, like a prayer that's being offered of what you can do as you open things up in our lives. And here's what I'm asking. As this song is going on, that if there's anything that's blocking or defeating or intimidating us or making us afraid or angry, I don't know, or ashamed, that the power of the promise of this song that we're closing with would be like a blessing of life over us, the perfect way to end this time that we've just shared. That's what I ask in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.